We're not savages. Welcome once again to Cult Following, brought to you by the people who bring you the home of genre film in the valley, Cult Classics AZ, every month at Pollock Tempe Cinemas. Join us on November 19th for Big Trouble in Little China and November 26th for Clue. Here at Cult Following, we're explorers in the further reaches of film, angels to some, demons to others. I'm one of the three cinephiles bringing you this awesome, awesome uh-huh. show. There we go. Victor Marino, along with Adam Murkowski. Meow. And Kirby Nelson. <laughs> and I'm trying to remember, are we on episode number 47? Uh, no. 46? Nope. 48. 48. I believe so. Boom, boom. So on episode 48, we're starting to look... At the myriad of films coming out this fall. It's a very rich fall for films. And we're going to look at two that caught our interest early that we caught and are going to talk about in the form of Arrival and Doctor Strange. Before we get to that meaty subject, we're going to talk a little bit about the films and such we've been watching up to this point. So why don't you kick us off... Adam. <laughs> Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Catch your tiger uh, by the toe. Which, by the way, I will say uh, the Dave Chappelle Walking Dead thing was awesome. Oh, yes. That was, that really was absolutely great. And I'm actually going to probably spend the rest of the week watching Chappelle's show. Chappelle show. Abba Did I watch anything? I don't think I did. You didn't watch anything? Uh, not. I don't think anything that's new to me. Other than I, no, I had people over to watch my Mad Max Black Shiny and Chrome edition. A review of which is up on cultfollowing.co. Yeah, comparing it to the uh, Shiny and Chrome edition that came from the George Miller camp. And then I have my version and I compare the two because they're different. Different. They actually did use color in mm. the George Miller Shiny and Chrome. It is tinted in spots with color. But unbeknownst to the, you know, video files, cinephiles. Those monsters. Yeah. George Miller thinks he's George Melier or something, tinting his film for color effects. Look at that. I dropped and a film school reference. He does. <laughs> all the time. I'm just admiring Adam's lovely package. It's oh, black, oh. shiny, wow. and chrome. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Oh, yes. It actually, Adam. Witness it, me. Oh, <laughs> Yes. Forever in Valhalla. No, I don't think... Uh, <laughs> there it goes. Could be uh, cracked up. Yeah, he um, he did a great job of the um, Ash vs. Evil Dead Season, season one, 1 Supercut. Super and the uh, packaging edition for that was incredible for us. Blessed few of the flock. Yeah, because you can't charge money for that. No, no. but it is... Uh, but always a great work. So that's so. why I don't really do a lot of. I just you know, yeah, you know, personal. Speaking things. of packaging, did you guys uh, get a gander at the uh, Mondo T's Fight Club soundtrack that's coming out tomorrow? Oh yeah, you have to destroy it. Yeah, it's, it's, for those who don't know, um, 
Mondo's uh, – it's probably dropping by the time you read this tomorrow, um, the 16th. But uh, it, the Fight Club packaging comes in a nice little envelope with a homework instruction that says destroy something beautiful. And then there's a tab that says sacrifice. You have to rip the, the, the package in half to get to the LP. Which yeah, is I couldn't do that. Pretty clever, and at the same time, so frustrating. Going to piss everyone off. Oh, I can tell you because this totally reminds me of when I got the uh, the Panda Man toy from Suicide Squad, and it comes in a cereal box, but it's a real cereal box. So you have to rip the cereal box to get it, making it impossible for me to open it. Ugh. I got a letter. Well, I guess I guess if you have your frustrations about the NES Classic console, here's uh, here's a way. We got one. We got one. Yeah. Oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Anyways, I had to get up at five no, thirty in the morning I, to get that. I thing. get up for work at four in the morning every day. Um, <laughs> no, but I do. Uh, uh, Victor did it for love, um, and it is it does look awesome. But yeah, I mean the the hoarding and the flipping must end. Oh, God, yeah, I was keeping an eye on that because I wanted to get more than one, you know, so I would have one. And my God, like, I lined up at Target at first, and they had six. And the line was like 30 people deep by the time they told people there were six. And I was number eight in line, so I just jumped over to uh, Best Buy, which is right next door, and I was number seven, I think, I was, if I eight, I was seven, seven in eight, line yeah. there. But at this, you know, but I was trying to, they told us there was 20 there. And I was trying to, you know, tell people, hey, they only have 20. It's early enough. You can find someplace else to line up. And after a certain point, I think this fatalism sets in because people wouldn't leave. Even after the manager came out and said, there's only 20. Like somehow someone would die in line. Yeah, what if their card gets declined? Yeah. But, it, like, the line was at least 50 people deep, you know, beyond. Or follow someone out to their car and stab them and take their. Well, it was really funny. That's dude. only at Arizona Mills that you, that service is offered. I was afraid that was going to happen, but um, it didn't. I was walking in my car after I got my, my paper in this Asian family that was, I don't know, eight behind me. They were they still had a paper. They were following me, and the father's trying to tell me something. He was, could, couldn't speak English that well. And he was, like, telling me that he appreciated how I was trying to help them about lining up. And he shook my hand and gave me a $5 tip. It was Wait, really weird. It was really weird. Like what did I, you do? Nothing? No, I was well, telling people, hey, there's only 20. If you're So if oh. you can count back from the beginning and you're still not, not beyond 20, you'll get one. After that, you don't gotcha. have a chance. Okay. Victor was doing his karma. Karma. Yeah. It worked out. Hey, you know, five dollars. Boom boom. Anyway. I didn't mean to sidetrack the conversation. Yeah, I'm so there. sorry. I just when you said the fight club destructible packaging, it just made me think of that. Yeah. I got uh Anne got me my wife got me a HP Lovecraft Appreciation Society membership. And so things would come in them. It's kind of you know like those uh, uh, surprise box type things. Oh, the hoard block, yeah, or block, yeah. So the last thing I got from them was this really interesting looking letter, and the only way you could open it was to rip it open. I still haven't done it, and that was maybe like a year ago. I cannot bring myself. It's so beautiful. It's so pretty. Yeah. 
But the way that the that it's not like a regular letter that just you know you break the seal in the back. It's something that kind of folds in on itself, mm-hmm. and then where it seals, it's not just you know like a little piece of glue or something. They have it so it's there is no glue, there is no spoon. Mm. It's it's all folded into where you would have to rip the paper to open it up. It's like an origami or one of those yeah. you know like folding trick things. Hmm. So I have no idea what's inside. Probably like a renewal membership. I just, yeah. <laughs> the I elder like packaging sign. so much. It makes it difficult when that kind of situation occurs. Yes. That's one of the things I actually hate about vinyl personally. It's beautiful packaging, but it's so fragile. It's yeah. so easy to ruin a record and to ruin the packaging in it that it's just, it, I mean, for all the money I've spent on vinyl over the years, I'm like, guy should never have gotten into this. And it blows me away because I'm only into, I mean, I buy a few hardcore metal and hip hop records, but generally everything is horror and video game soundtracks. Yeah, I don't really I'm buy anything glad else. I didn't get into, yeah. into vinyl to that degree. Oh, you want to know the update? Oh, sure. Sure. So now I'm like four weeks in. I haven't started exercising. I've just been too busy and stressed out. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Uh, but as of my first weigh in, I am down almost 15 pounds. That's Congratulations, really man. I kind of went up one week a little bit, and then I kind of stayed the same. But then when I did my weigh in yesterday, uh, yeah, I was almost at like 14 pounds under from the original. Awesome, man. Glad mm-hmm. to hear it. So just continuing on. See? Mm-hmm. Try not to get frustrated and try not to be too much in a hurry. Yeah. It's a lifestyle change, not just an immediate sort of thing. I hear you. That's good. Anything else you watch besides your... My weight? <laughs> oh, God. How did we, uh, how did boy, we you walk fell right, right into right that? Oh. Jesus. Oh. No, I don't think so. I'm just, I, I, I watched that Ghost in the Shell trailer, and that looks awesome. Awesome. Did you watch the? Um, I am not watching today. No, I'm not. I I am now on lockdown. I'm not watching anymore. Okay, but uh, they have like the first four minutes or whatever, which is the same. It's the exact same beginning as the anime. Right. It even has the same music. Yep. Well, because they know? got the same guy. Kim, my Kim my Chi. favorite thing is I've been on like three different sites since watching that, and all of them are complaining over the fact that uh, the major has a Barbie doll body. What? That's like the weirdest thing to complain oh. about. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't. I mean, it makes you sense. You mean the dimensions or just no, that, that there's no... Uh, nipples? Yes. That's oh. exactly what I was saying. Well, that's how the anime is. No, well, actually, I watched the anime recently, and she does. But to me, it's, you know, there's a lot of her in, not wearing clothing in the anime. So that's a good compromise, I think. Right. Since she's a robot. You know, but you know, I'm excited to see it. Um, especially like the character designs. It's really weird. I was just realizing how much, how how deep we're going down this rabbit hole of um, exploring AI lately. Mm-hmm. With um, you know, Westworld and that show, Humans is coming back for another season, and then Ghost in the Shell hits right after that. Yeah, you know, I think since humanity is kind of like this, like. Ennui, what have we gotten ourselves, existential crisis point. Or, uh, but you had Ex Machina, yeah. Morgan. You've had a lot of films more and more with it. Blade I mean, Runner is, is coming out next year. And, yeah. yeah, we're in the future now. we got to look further down. I think that there's a um, more of a move towards science fiction. Mm-hmm. 
as opposed to space fantasy. Yeah. Which space fantasy is still huge, but there's a lot more of a... Maybe because in science fiction, it's, you can be a lot darker, more uh, dramatic, and uh, yeah, at the same time, logical. I don't really know how to describe it. I just feel like I truly realized, um, you know, with a lot of movies, more and more the effects of, and not just obviously like the Marvel thing, but I noticed a lot of movies moving towards the whole, or I was going to say like the Christopher Nolan thing yeah. with the darkness of a film. It's just blows me away. And and shows like Game of Thrones and things, just people moving towards more of a it's funny you'd you'd imagine people in more desperate times or whatever wanting a uh in some ways you think imagine people want to escape. Yeah. But then you have shows like Breaking Bad or number one. Like people really enjoy like uh I don't know. I guess it's just more realistic is the best way I could describe it to somebody. Yeah. It feels like everything is kind of more Twilight zone right now is what all I meant. Like we're no, exploring I know. these issues that are very real but through the lens of science fiction because we can't do it directly. Yeah, but we're, there's a footsteps the towards natural, it. The natural yeah. steps. That it, it, it's the natural progression of mm. – that's how kind of the movies reflect on society. Yes. And it happens all the time. I mean, think of the 70s with uh, like straw dogs and everything that, I mean, and Death Wish and all that stuff. It, there there yeah. was a certain. I'd make a good argument tone. that the 70s is still I mean, probably the best decade of film in general. Some people would argue. It's, I mean, you look at two, I mean, but even on that, like, again, like science fiction, Logan's Run, Soylent Green, movies more towards mm-hmm. deeper thoughts which is what to me real science fiction is yeah it, it isn't the uh space fantasy and that's the simple thing i have no problem i mean i like a lot of those shows but i do feel that it's too much or shows or movies i just feel like there is definitely a strong departure because people became so obsessed with that um they got a lot of sight of science fiction well there wasn't a lot coming out for for a while there, like mm-hmm. in the in like the nineties, you had maybe some little you know trickles of things, but it wasn't until like Avatar came out, everybody's like, oh well, what's you know the next science fiction fantasy sort of stuff, and it wasn't anything like you know the Soylent Greens or you mm-hmm. know Dark Star or any of that that had not necessarily a dystopian view, but it was it was darker. Yeah. Whereas Avatar is your your popcorn movie. Well, Avatar had actually already come out. It was called Fern Gully. <laughs> I mean, but that's animated. Yeah, it is. But I mean, it is. But, but, but in mean, the end, too, too. It, it really is. Though I mean, like to me, like an avatar is, I think, visually more of like what you're tapping into. You know, people fantastical. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a lot of that. But I think uh, what Victor's touching on is more like the deep um, exploration of some of these. No, subjects. I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm but saying it, that's that's kind of true. been the progression. It's hard. There yeah. wasn't much, you know, sci-fi stuff until like there wasn't really a lot in the '90s either. That like right, <laughs> they, they, they were kind of grabbing at straws, and then the progression now is like, okay, well, they're, you know, what what's the next market? What's the next thing? You know, what are people wanting to go see? Uh, Whereas you're not really seeing as much of the like Hunger Games ish sort of stuff. Yeah, it kind of died in off. Kind of the future, you know. Well, I think the young adult thing was. I mean, I think what was it that last uh, Divergent movie did so bad, 
and then they keep trying the Miss Peregrines, and then they did, you know, a lot of the older ones too, the Spiderwick Chronicles, the Vampire uh, Assistant, it, no. and there was another one that was, oh, the Dark is Rising, which is actually a really old book from 60s or 70s, that series. wasn't even modern young adult. Um, I just don't think, you know, and then there's films too. It's like weird. I just noticed they put on Netflix was uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like that was a hit. But all the other ones were total box office, mm-hmm. you know, disasters. So it's kind of like, you know, that's another even – or a classic example. The Hobbit, you know, did well but not as well as they'd hoped, you know. And obviously right. critical reception was just awful. So it's kind of like um, I would say people, you know, definitely on TV obviously are – you know, it's the – as we talked about last time, bracing serials um, in that serial format. They really want – um, something that will keep them coming back for more and uh, isn't cut and dry. Um, but I think that at the same time for movies, you know, it's 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 all a gamble as much as it was, especially with inflated costs. Right. But I mean, you can't. You know, a lot of the films. I mean, we'll we'll look at them. I'm sure at the end of this year, here as it's rapidly approaching, to really look at the final box office numbers. But obviously, nothing. Very few things delivered. Yeah. Beyond like kids' movies, I mean, Find Dory and stuff like that, you know, a, a lot of them, you know, there's no real safe bet anymore. So right. maybe that's also part of the freedom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, you've been watching, Victor. If Adam's all oh, I don't ready know to if go. Adam's done. Uh, that's what I'm asking. Eh. Um, what have I been watching? I've been watching Westworld, which is still good. And I've been enjoying that. Um, I watched uh, this uh, movie called Hell or High Water. It has uh, Jeff Bridges, uh, Ben Foster, Chris Pine. Uh, very no country for old men in terms of scope. Um, I'd recommend that. Um, did I mention I watched Bloodfather last time? No, I, do, I watched that as well, though. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that one a lot. Very, they're actually both those movies. I'd say are in kind of like a similar vein. What like working poor, you know, you know, white people in an extraordinary circumstance trying to kind of come to bear with an existential crisis moment. Um, but yeah, I I I was really pleasantly surprised by Bloodfather. Um, Mel Gibson like really pulled that off, and I forgot that he can be a good actor because everything he's been in for the last, you know, ever since his. Uh, yeah, I it, think you did mention that last time. Yeah, now that you said Mel, I Gibson, hadn't seen I it yet. I mean, we talked about it because I'd said I really wanted to see it, uh-huh. and I finally got a chance to. And I guess it's just that, you, like you said, it's seeing him in a good role again. It really reminds it me of like, like a, a western in a way. Uh, yeah, kinda. I was gonna say too. It's weird to think of two big. Hits for him were Ransom and Payback, and I oh, feel like very kind of similar. And I feel like this is where he's channeling that from. Yeah. Now you know with like Mel Gibson, you're like, oh wow, you know he put in a good performance. Do, do you see him as like that crazy uh, racist guy? What his problem with all that stuff? Or doesn't it matter? I just don't really. Yeah, you know, you, you got to realize most of these people have fucked up values. Well, see, then that's the thing. That's what I want to ask: is 
It, would it be better if we didn't know anything more about the celebrities and their work on the screen? I just, like I said, I mean... Or does that influence, well, like, we what you watch? Well, we had this or? conversation before when Kirby was talking about Victor Salva. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah we kind of yeah. briefly went Well, and it's, it's hard. I mean, there's definitely criminal stuff that people talk about, like, somebody charged, whatever, from anything. Winona Ryder shoplifting to, you know, murder. You could be like yeah, a Phil... Yeah, Matthew Broderick killed someone, you know? Yeah, yeah so the list did, goes uh, on and on. Yeah. yeah, a lot. Of, well, and there's all, you know, there's ones that are real, like... You know, I think of something like you know, talk about controversial. I mean, like, but a, I mean, uh, yeah, no, no, I mean, no, no, there's no, different no, no. levels to it. But, I, but what I mean, if somebody just gets like a DUI or something like well, that? I, think, I mean, obviously, well, I think it came it, from the. I think it varies because um, I think it depends on how you handle that situation. Like Mel Gibson kind of stopped making movies for a while, and then he made a couple small little roles and things that were kind of forgettable. Versus somebody like, you know, Nicolas Cage with his tax evasion decided he was going to make every movie under the sun to the point where now I can't take him seriously yeah. as an actor because he made so many bad movies just for the money. And Lindsay Lohan, I think, is the exact same way. Just, you know, let her lifestyle kind of destroy her acting career and just did terrible, terrible movies. To I had no idea, too, that. that like until recently I read that Lindsay Lohan now is like. I think claiming to have like um capacity to describe as like Islamic sympathies, like she's been wearing traditional like hijab and stuff and like It's cause she's been living in Turkey for yeah. a while. But I think a lot of this too right now is her trying to get attention again. Well no, that's why I'm not disagreeing yeah. with that, of course. But what I mean is is that it's almost kind of the way you said is how you deal with it. Yeah. Like there are some who just really fade out. And don't approach it, don't say anything. And then there's some, I mean, you know, if their PR firm doesn't drop them, I mean, they go into full apology circuit depending mm-hmm. on what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it it really just depends on what the – I mean, I think most celebrities now, I mean, I'd say a good chunk of A-list stars have had at least like one DUI. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, you add anti-Semitism and sexism and stuff into it. That's that. That's what carries it to the next level for most that's people. That's what I'm saying. But would it be better if we just didn't know any of that stuff? Yeah, and they were just it's just not work? really that possible in this day and age. But I think the best we can do is hope that they have enough discretion not to let it taint our – view of them like um all right here's a couple good examples like um wesley snipes you know didn't pay taxes for years and kept claiming that there was some loophole in the constitution that didn't let made sure he couldn't do it and he he sounded very like you know tin hat and he went to jail and then he just didn't act for a while and now then he started doing like a tv show now he's just kind of we kind of just forgot he went to jail or anything and Mm -hmm. we're kind of I oh Wesley Snipes is doing movies again. That's cool, you know. And then Tom Cruise, you know, when he had his whole Scientology thing, he started doing movies all the time and would constantly like preach about Scientology. And that's when his career tanked. And then he kind of started doing small roles again, and then just shut up about it altogether. And then we don't care. And is and the Katie Holmes thing. Yeah, but I mean, I just I'm always just blown away by Scientology being popular in Hollywood. I mean, it's against drugs and homosexuality. I I really can't imagine that being popular, and yet it is. Like it blows me away. I think like it's just how because huge. celebrities have very empty, shallow lives in general. Well, no, but I mean, you expect they'd confront it. But that I mean, that's the thing with society in general is people pick and choose what they're going to confront. It'll be the same sin 
and I'm not talking, I'm, what I'm saying is the sin of I um I don't agree with this thing. That's what I'm where I'm coming from on that. And then they will be like, you know, this is horrible. But you know, sometimes it gets a pass and sometimes it doesn't. Uh-huh. I just I guess in the end. I mean, I watched Blade Two again recently, and it's like, God, that's such a perfect movie. It's yeah, he's so good in it. But then you go, you know, he it's like Nick Nicholas Cage. He he might pull like a a JCVD or a John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. You know, there's a minute chance this could happen, but he already did like to Wong Fu. So I mean, I just don't feel like it's possible <laughs> yeah. for any of these these people to really come back. I mean, even like a Patrick Swayze before he died. I mean, he did Donnie Darko. He had done also Wong Fu, amazingly. Uh, you know, and you have all these people, but I just don't feel like they ever, no matter how well they did, they never came back. And I don't think, to me, like a, a Mel Gibson, I just don't think he's coming back. It's the question in the end becomes, are you, is it going to taint the way you feel yeah. about what you tr- cherish and treasure about their career. Well, and that's the thing. It's like you can't have a comeback in terms of how you, celebrities used to have a comeback. Like, oh, we accept you once again. It's where you go with your career. Like Mel Gibson is back. He just starred in this movie, which got yeah. a lot of good buzz. And he's directing, you know, Oscar season movies again because he directed that Hacksaw, Hacksaw Ridge. Ridge movie. So he's back. He was in his like, we're not going to talk about you for a while. A few years went by. All right, you're good now. You did Machete Kills. That was your penance, you know. I thought it was the beaver, but that's cool. Yeah. Um, But no, I think – well, and also you could say with Braveheart and uh, 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 what was this one? We Were Soldiers. Like that's like the soft ground. Like that's the safe path to go. Like Hacksaw Ridge is in the same – Way even you know is because war movies are like a western or some other ones or yeah. like a period piece. It's this is Oscar bait or a safe safe path to go down. Yeah, you can't really say anything bad about war movies. It's weird. It's like doing a religious movie in America. Like okay, and that's what all Mel Gibson really does is war movies and religious movies. So you know he's all right now. You know like okay he's fine. Yeah, and they were even saying that it's weird to even think when they were posting the stuff up about uh, uh, Hacksaw Ridge. They were like, "Well, this is it's been ten years since Apocalyptico." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, there was Apocalyptico." Like I totally forgot that movie. I remember liking it when I saw it, but it's just weird to it's, even think it about is. it. And the really funny thing is, go to Zia or online. Look how much the Blu-ray for that movie goes for. It's like out of print. It goes for like eighty dollars. Wow. Yeah. Speaking of which, mm-hmm. we I was I. Saw something like 15 recipes of the Iron Range, Minnesota. And that's where my grandparents are from. So, you know, I was like, oh, I got to click on this. And so much good stuff. And I'm like, oh, I should have an event at the house where we watch like Minnesota movies and eat all this wonderful food, uh, just all comfort food. And one thing that Ann and I did is when we were purging movies, we're like, well, what do we have on DVD, but we'd really like to have on Blu ray? Yeah. Uh, and Drop Dead Gorgeous was one of them. It's like, well, we watch this movie like Mm -hmm. all the time, uh, but we just have it on DVD. Oh, we'll get it on Blu-ray. So we brought it to Half Price Books and regretted ever since because when we looked it up the other day, it's again, it's the DVD goes for like 80 bucks or 50 bucks or something like that Yeah, uh, through other sellers. And I... 
we went to my uh, niece's birthday, which is out in Queen Creek. We said, well, let's swing by Half Price Books where we sold it to see if they still have it on the shelf. This was over, this might have been like two years ago that this happened. It was there. Huh. I don't know if it was my copy. Probably was. three ninety nine. Yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if, if you kind of know what things are, you know, possibly worth, you know. I just Go look in the, the uh, I just look in the uh, glass case now to see every cases. time, and that's my like oh, yeah. Insta eBay review. I can see what things are going for now, and it's well, the usual suspects most of the time. Not that, was that the movie. Thing about the but, NES Classic this past weekend that just blew my mind. Like that same day, I mean, right now it's settled in this weird like three hundred to five hundred dollar range, but that day they were going for like two thousand dollars. I, and, and just in my brain, I'm thinking, I was holding it in my hand. I'm like, this, it's not much bigger than a Kleenex box, the box it comes in. Right. The thing fits in your hand. Yeah. You know, and it, you know, and I read a thing somewhere, it's like, oh, you know, it's like, uh, this thing should be stocked up on the end, on the end, you know, end caps of Walgreens and Bed Bath and Beyond. I'm thinking, yeah, kind of. Why couldn't they make enough of these? Because I mean, I saw Nintendo are pieces of shit, and I'm willing to say that 100. percent No, they're just taking the Apple model because Apple are pieces of shit too. It's not. It's beyond planned obsolescence because Nintendo's going to make a updated version. They already did the mini Famicom. They're going to do the mini SNES soon. But they already said we're going to release a more updated version of this in March. Mm. So, but it's the holidays, and they said. You know, we're not they all the pre-orders were gone. The only one in pre-order for a time was Target in August. They shut it down. And the whole thing is is that I figured the one place, which most people do, is that Amazon's gonna be your safe haven. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna be able to find them on there. But it's that Nintendo puts quality into it, so it's not one of these Atari, you know, Caligo, you know, Sega, where they're okay. But you know they're real cheap, like third-party parts, yeah. and there's no real care put into them. But again, for sixty bucks, it's a hell of a deal. It's just that, yeah, we're gonna go to GameStop, actual game retailers, and we're only gonna give them ten. Yeah. And so you knew it was artificially gonna inflate. And they did this with Amiibos. Um, they've done this oh, with yeah, a, a no. million so other things. It's just because Nintendo fanboys and girls exist, and people also, you know, I understand that companies. Want to create hot ticket items, especially in the holiday season. We have Tickle Me Elmo to thank 20 plus years ago for starting, or Cabbage Patch Cabbage Kids Pat, 30 yeah. years ago. But I mean, it's just at the same time, this is intentional. Well, yeah, and the thing is, everybody emulates that model. Like, I always think of, you know, Mondo, anything cool they have, it, it's like, oh, we only have 50 of them. I'm thinking, you did a press release for this on Entertainment Weekly and you only made 100 of these? Seriously, or even or like San Diego Comic Con, they have their exclusives. You know, well, to that. a certain degree, those I can understand more. But to you know, Mondo's done these. Oh, you can order this print anytime over three days, and we'll make it. And then it always turns out, oh, the final edition was like nine thousand of these posters were printed, but your usual edition is seventy-five to two hundred. Yeah. So at that point, it's like you need to up your print runs because that's kind of. You know, bullshit. But then I could get into a whole thing about how, like, Mondo's posters aren't cool anymore because they've kind of fallen into this weird minimalism trap I hate now. There's very few that I bought over the last year. I mean, I look back at my Mondo order, 
and uh, are my Mondo past orders, and it's just very few. And it's I don't. There's still some great artists out there, but I most of it I wouldn't buy. And I'm glad it helps my pocketbook. Yeah. But I also feel like it, I'm supporting a system that I am trying to break free of, mm. which is this whole thing that in the end is. The whole flipping, it's it's you have to have this. You well, have to be it, one of the cool kids. The it's interesting like, thing to me is like um, this past weekend, like Tyler Stout put out a he did a fantastic Mister Fox poster for um, bottleneck, a, wasn't it? Yeah, bottleneck or one of those galleries up on you know the East Coast, and it took like a little while for it to sell out. Just like the Drew Strews and Big Trouble Little China one, that that took like you know a couple like a day or so to sell out. Versus if Mondo had done it, oh, it would have been gone in like like thirty seconds, which tells me a lot of people like I I have like the Dark Knight trilogy box set that uh the big one that was like art by Mondo, not but not art by Jock, you know. So a lot of people are just literally buying the brand and the artist is almost secondary. Which Jock actually just released a book too this mm-hmm. uh, today actually, um and uh. Uh, what's him? Jason Edmonston just did Visceral, which is awesome too. But um, and that's good though that the artist can at least. But you're right, it is the brand. And mm-hmm. I mean, my whole thing, like why I was saying the cool kids, is is that it's the people who really want it and want to enjoy it, and the people who are just buying it to flip or to be like, I have this. It's the shelf collector mentality. Yeah. And <laughs> once or twice I've been shit, man. I really have to have like an inner monologue. Like, am I doing this because I really want this? Or because I want to have it. And I said, and that's where I'm getting away from. Not that I've ever been that dick. Yeah, I love what I'm into. I wouldn't, if I was only into what was popular or what I thought I could flip or would make me cool, quote unquote. Yeah. It, I, I, shit, man, I would have bought a lot of different stuff because I always buy the popular did thing. a sale the other day. On I their, saw that, yeah. Where they, every, it's hard to find exclusive thing they had put out over the last, like, two or three years you could buy it for you know oh we've got tons of them in our in warehouse our, sale and nothing sold out right away except for those uh ninja the the 16-bit turtles or yeah. the arcade turtles but that jason figure that everyone wanted so desperately it was going for like hundreds of dollars just sat there well yeah and then they well they re-released it and it was better it yeah. had played the music when you opened the box and i'm like <laughs> yeah God, I paid like sixty bucks for this, thinking or eighty, thinking yeah. they'll never release this again. Yeah, at that point you're like, am I seriously going to pay? Because they were selling it for thirty bucks. Yeah, and you could get the newer version for that. Like, this is just a box that does nothing. All you're getting is a sticker. You could get the reissue that has a solar battery that plays the eight bit music forever. Just get the reissue that you can get anywhere. You know, it just tells you artificial scarcity is a point. Um, every year, NECA puts out like two secret figures, usually around this time of year, and you know everybody knows it's going to happen because he keeps hinting about it, but he hasn't revealed yet or when it'll happen. And to a certain point, it's getting now where people are getting annoyed by it because it's like it's you know mid November, you know shit or get off the pot, you know. Oh, I just feel like I need to be more disconnected. <laughs> Email, yeah. Subject line: shit or get off the pot. <laughs> But that's that. There's nothing new with that. I mean, we've talked about it several times, but I do think with so many subjects now, because it affects yeah. so many 
Well, this collector interest. thing is just infecting everything. And everything. I, and I like it, but I don't think it should apply to like movies and such. Like I keep seeing it happen. I mean, how many Pop Funkos? I mean, they're doing everything. Well, and Record Store Black Friday is coming up, what, in uh, like two or three weeks now? Yeah. They change. Yeah. For. And, and it, there's that whole thing where like there's some cool picture discs. And I'm like, am I really going to like. You know, wait here in line just to get a picture disc, you know? Oh, and um, it's just going to end up in your storage space. Yeah. And it's like, it it, it breeds this because, like, oh, if I'm going to wait here this long, I might as well buy shit to flip, you know? Right. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry for the tangent there, folks, but I know you guys are in the same boat struggling with this issue as we are. Pretty yeah. much. Because I'm running out of space in the house. Yeah. I uh, I, I posted something, I don't know, on Facebook. And uh, it was that BB-8 that I saw at Target that was a little, it's a little bit bigger and it's a newer thing. Oh, yeah. I saw and that. my mom made the comment of, don't you have enough of this shit? <laughs> That's what LOL. my folks say every single day. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I don't need it. I'd rather have like the life-size BB-8 that they're selling. I just end up being, it's that Treehouse of Horror with the comic book guys, the bombs head towards, oh, I've wasted my life. It's like, (laughs) yeah, that's me. But um, anything else good, Victor? No. No. Well, for me, I really didn't watch a huge amount. We mentioned Bloodfather, and it's nicely segued into Blade 2. Yeah. yeah, I'm a glutton for punishment, so I'll just preface that where I watch all these movies. But I really will watch anything, and I um, I think since like the era of bridesmaids and stuff like that has come around, I watch a lot of these you know female cast centric comedies, and I actually watch Bad Moms, which oh, God. is not good because it's not. But it's it's again, I find I, before we started this broadcast, I started talking about how um. I don't really go see first-run movies anymore. I rarely ever go see anything in the theater now. It's mainly, if I do, it's for this podcast, for subject matter. Right. Because I, I want to be in the in crowd. But there's really, beyond that, I mean, it's, I red box most things or I go to the dollar theater. I very rarely see anything. And a lot of movies I'm just going to buy anyways when right. they're, especially speaking of Black Friday, I wait for Best Buy every year because it's like, oh, hey, that just came out a couple weeks ago, but you're already selling it for $4 because yeah. that's what the price is worth. I figure that's when I'll get like X-Men Apocalypse on like Steelbook or something. Exactly. So for me, it's like I watched it and stuff, but it had, I laughed. I'm not, you know, it's like I, I laughed. It's just the problem with so many, and I'm fine this too, by the way, just in general with comedies and comedy as a whole. Um, I'm not finding a lot of, uh, like, it doesn't sustain long. Like, I watch it and I forget about it. Right. Like, there's, like, I even brought up Chappelle's show, like, the time about that. It's like, I want to go back and watch that because it still sustains for me. Uh, Simpsons, the, the, the golden seasons and stuff. There's just not a lot. Um, of shows that come out or movies where I laugh, comedies. I enjoy most of them, but it's very rare that something really makes me laugh. And this didn't change that or anything, but I laughed. See, I and could the- watch I could watch Caddyshack like yeah ten times a day if if I if I was you know my little slice of heaven or you know if you were stranded on a desert island yeah which and you had like you know one comedy one drama blah blah mm-hmm. blah 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 I mean it'd either be Blues Brothers or uh, uh, Caddyshack. And those have stood the test of time, and and that's why me. It's like it's both what's personal to you, what you well, enjoy, right, yeah. Because but it's, it's all, also, it's all relative but I also to... think that the reason those have sustained so long is because people, it's still funny, and it's timeless, and humor that is timeless is great, 
And Bridesmaid is, is a movie I actually really enjoyed when I first saw it. I laughed my ass off. Mm-hmm. And I still think it's a good movie. I would – I'd still – I've rewatched it a couple times. But I find I watch – and that's part of like we were just talking about the collection thing is I'm finding I'm watching less and less movies over and over. Like it's – there's only a few. It was even when you did your um, Super Bowl bracket of movies. Right. Victor mm-hmm. brought up a great point. It's like what do you really want to watch? Don't say it because – and that's why – what is it? Big Trouble beat The Shining? Yeah. I love both those movies. But yeah. I'd rather watch Big Trouble in Little China yeah. till the end of time. I know it's, you know, you know it's it's just like I said. It's one of those classic ones. There's a great part in the movie Green Room, by the way, about this. Yeah. Um, but um, I did that. Oh, yeah. I remember that. And then um, the other one I watched because I actually uh, – my brother got me the – you brought up the block thing. I got the whore block for – um, my birthday, my brother bought me a few months installments just for fun. And uh, the main reason I want it is because it has the new issue of Rue Morgan in it every year or every month. So mm-hmm. the new issue, the cover story was, I'm the pretty thing that lives inside the house. Oh, yeah. So I found this is like a Netflix, you know. I started watching exclusive. it. It's pretty dry. It's, it is the driest of the dry. Um, it is the slowest of the slow. By the time you finish this, I will be dead. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, extremely um, narrative-driven. There is more. I mean, this is a movie literally you probably could look away most of the time and just listen to it because she talks through the whole movie, mm-hmm. uh, the the protagonist. Um, you know, it's – it's it when it started, I kind of – it has like a vintage-style title card where I kind of thought it was kind of the house of the devil yeah, innkeepers kind of thing. Yeah, it's going for that. Yeah, but I – and I kind of thought, oh, man, this is going to be a lot like both those movies. A little bit like the innkeepers. Um, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Just a, a wee bit. bit. <laughs> but um, it does have its own thing. It's interestingly too – I mean, I read the article a bit. Didn't want to spoil it, but it's um, Oz Perkins, Anthony Perkins' son mm-hmm. is the one who directed it. Um, and, you know, it's played the festival circuit. I just, you know, it's one of those ones I really, really wanted to like it. Like, and I, there's things I did like about it, but it's so, so dry. Like, I can't even begin to convey. I mean, there are people who I know who had complaints about, like, The Witch, which is probably still my favorite movie this year. Mm. But I'm like, it always felt like it was building towards something. Yeah. This just felt like it's like... It's not even building. It's just slowly descending. Somebody said it's the best Shirley Jackson novel never written. I like this is not House on Haunted Hill or no. The Haunting Man. This isn't even close. I swear to God, so many of these like bloody disgusting esque twenty something reviewers just like throw references out without understanding anything. It fucking boggles my mind. I read this, oh, it's just like blah, 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 and I watch, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Very much. No, I can't disagree (laughs) with it because, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like, okay, I get, like, two, you got, like, a nice marquee review line for your poster and promotional materials, but it's kind of like, this is just not true. It is an old school style movie, and that's fair to say it's like a 50s, 60s style movie gothic horror movie and i'd totally be okay with that that's what it is uh new england style horror as well much like the witch in more modern times it's just not it's just but it's it's very very there's parts of it that are like ah this is really good but it always descends never ascends 
I just really think a lot of these people who are making these movies really need to look at some of these Ira Levin movie adaptations like Rosemary's Baby or The Stepford Wives and understand, like, you're going for that aesthetic, but, like, if you're going to mirror its pacing, have a better payoff. Well, there's that, too. Yeah, because I swear, uh, you know, if you can, like, for the longest time, I really liked The Stepford Wives, you know, when I was younger, like, oh, man, this is so interesting. And then later on, the more movies you watch, I'm like, you know what's going on right from the get-go, and you just got to wait two hours till everyone else wises up. You know, and there's solid performances there, and if you want to get to that point, I'm like, okay, you're watching it for the performance, and but I just don't think there's enough there. That's why that's one of those cult movies. It's not really a cult movie anyway, not just in part because it disappeared from every way you can watch it after X amount of years. Mm-hmm. But if you watch Rosemary's Baby, you kind of know what's going on right from the get-go, but they pace it well enough and there's solid enough performances to keep you invested. And mm-hmm. I think, like, Westworld is the same way. Like, you know where it's going, but, like, when you watch Rosemary's Baby, it's, like, Mia Farrow and her whole struggle, having to deal with these weird neighbors and what's really going on with her husband that keeps you invested. Like, okay, you know, yeah, Michael Crichton stuff, coma too is like yeah. that, where they have that kind of. But yeah, um, there's a, a sense of dread, which can be powerful. It's just in this film, it it just wasn't there. But I, I'm like I said, it, the one thing I will say, the last thing about it was just that it's interesting. Of course, is um, you know Netflix just did one of their big dumps of of a lot of their content that mm-hmm. expired, and now they're bringing on. And it's interesting how many movies they're bringing on more and more and calling them Netflix exclusives. Uh, whereas, you know, like this would have been an IFC release. Yeah. Gotcha. So, I mean, it's just kind of interesting. Uh, the new model for releasing films. Well, they're doing that with everything. Shudder got the streaming rights to all the Phantasm movies. So they're calling them like Shudder exclusives. Yeah. You know, which I finally saw. Phantasm Ravager. I meant to mention that earlier. Uh, just it, you know, I it just didn't really work for me. It doesn't really work. It, it's, it's you're there for the. It, it's, it's there for the like reunion. Movie, yeah, basically, it's like one of those things where it's like, okay, if you've seen all the Phantasm movies, you'll probably like this to some degree. Exactly. Yeah, that's pretty much all I can. Hundred percent. Yeah, but if you haven't seen a Phantasm movie, thing, I'm just gonna jump in here. You're no. Don't do it. You will be lost beyond, you know. And they use outtakes from the other Phantasm movies, which would make makes it even more the other, even more confusing. And this is a weird story about multiple timelines, which like yeah, just watch them in order. You'll be fine. Yeah, watching it again. I posted a review called Falling.co of the uh, remaster and of Ravager at. Um, at the Egyptian, the big premiere event with everybody there, um, the whole cast, crew, and director. And um, watching Phantasm, I think I mentioned this is one of the weirdest fucking movies ever made. Like, I love it, but it is bizarre. Like, oh, I don't yeah. know how, how people can really walk in. I really thought about it in the longest time, you know, because I kept thinking, yeah, it's like, a, it's not even like a horror movie. It's just a weird ass movie it makes literally no, no sense, sense at, at all. all yeah but it's it's almost italian it, it's literally like and, and then the funny night is the next night watching the beyond again it's like 
God, man, maybe if I wasn't straight edge, I could smoke weed or <laughs> something like it. Yeah. Maybe this would make these movies. Like, it's not better because I love them and appreciate them, but I'm saying, like, really understand A lot them. of these movies, like Italian horror movies and, like, early 80s, like, weird indie movies, I think are, if you watch them at the time, and it, I think a big part of it is just how hard it was to watch them. Like, it wasn't easy to track down copies of things like Cannibal Holocaust or even, like, The Beyond. You had to, like, the version of the U.S. is totally different, and you had to get a friend to get you a copy from overseas or mm-hmm. yeah. you're a tape trader. So it's like you earn that movie. And True. Like, okay, it's weird, but maybe this is what it's, movies are like in other countries, you think. And then you watch them, you know, watch other Italian movies. Like, no, these this is like a regular movie. That was just a weird movie. It is. Yeah. And... But at the same time, you know, because these movies have stayed in print, they've still kind of kept like, oh, yeah, they have really good scores. So we've distilled what's good about them. You know, So on that level, it's that's why the composer's cut of Beyond was so interesting because, like, the best thing about that movie is the score. Let's do a whole version themed around a rescore. It's no with Italian horror, a few exceptions. It's funny. It's a nice Ryan skin. It's the score and the gore. Mm-hmm. There's those are really the redeeming qualities. They're beautifully done films, but it's really like when it came, out, especially in the '80s, like you say, the appreciation. Yeah, I mean, like Death, who's my favorite metal band of all time. I mean, Scream Bloody Gore is ha- you know written largely about early to mid '80s horror films. It was released in '87. I mean. It blows, you know, blows away, like, how much, I mean, like, uh, City of the Living Dead is in there, Evil Dead, you know, because they saw Chuck uh, Schulner, the vocalist, guitarist, mastermind of the band, he saw these movies, and in the early days of death, when it was more rude and, like, thrash metal, was a lot of songs people wrote about were movies, um, Mm. because it was easy subject matter. I was in a band that sang solely about horror movies, you know, Mm -hmm. because it was fun. And and easy, but I, I do think, too, I agree with Victor's point. It's kind of like uh, the rite of passage of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the thing. People nowadays just want to know what they can about movies the easiest way possible. I can tell you, if we did a podcast that was just like, this episode, we're only going to talk about Creep Show 2. Or this episode, we're only going to talk about, you know, um, Manhattan Baby. We'd get tons of listens because all these people... Who like, oh, I have that movie on my shelf, but I can't be bothered to watch it. Let's hear these people talk about it, and then I can pretend I did. Huh. Zardoz I'm, is a good I one. I just want to yeah, say, too. I totally think that's true, FYI. I, wa- I want to say it was, was it Say Love Satan podcast who did the Lucio Fulci Jeopardy round? Yeah. Victor and I did not do as good as either of us expected. Because, I did all right. No, no, no. Yeah. Not, yeah. But no. Some humility, motherfucker. All right, all right. Uh, no, no, no. It's not. No, because it's like you get the easy ones. Yeah, But then you there's do. the ones where the confusing plot points, because they'll start saying something like, everyone starts with a detective. And it's like, they're all about detectives. Like, there's they a detective. They all have some kind of psychic. Yeah, well, it's psychic like a, and. You can do the same thing with Jalos, like generate a Jalo movie and then tell somebody you saw it. And that, you know, like um, you could say, uh, Lizard with a Woman's Skin. Is this movie? Yes. Uh, bird with the crystal plumage? Yes. Dog with the loud bark? You know? <laughs> you can go down that route so easy. Alligator with a woman's shoes. It is true. Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny. No, I, what I mean by is is that, yeah, it is the uh, 
what do you call it refrigerator magnet plot discussion yes. like this is or titles you could literally make them from pretty much yeah everyone. so for people who are listening who don't know what we're talking about ba- most lucio fulci movies have a very basic plot outline that kind of gets repeated over and over so this podcast me and kirby were listening to is doing something like it tell us if this is name the movie by plot if or t- and then the 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 caveat was some of these were fake so it was yeah. kind of like uh, a newspaper reporter and a woman board a yacht to find her missing father in a uh, distant island, you know, and that would be like zombie, zombie, you know. But and then, but they get more esoteric as you realize some of these movies have really stupid plots when you think about it, like um, uh, City of the Living Dead, you know, a priest commits suicide and terror ensues, you know. Yeah, they would throw things in too, yeah, to confuse you. And like I said, it's not Victor got uh, quite a few of them, I got quite a few of them, but there was a couple where we were both like shine and answers. And it's like the deeper it got into like the bonus rounds. Yeah. And it's like, I have oh, no yeah, idea. Like Manhattan Baby, like I totally blanked on. Black Cat was mine. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I don't even, I barely remember the movie. Yeah. Like, it's only one I've seen like once, twice, yeah. maybe at the most. So it's just, it's never been a big yeah. fan, but huge fan of it. Yeah. So, but um, it is interesting. But um, speaking of weird better. movies and how they like, true, we can now talk about Doctor Strange, which is a movie that if it was made in the seventies or eighties, people would totally have thrown on the same bus as Manhattan Baby. You know, like an archaeologist goes to Egypt and then weird shit happens when they go back home. You know, because I mean, I really liked Doctor Strange. I think it's a really good movie. But it's also probably the weirdest Marvel movie. What do you guys think? I'm gonna let him go. Yeah. Oh, me? Yeah. I'm a big Doctor Strange fan. Uh-huh. I've always liked him in the comic books when he'd show up. I never bought the the single issues of you know Doctor Strange, but I always liked it when he would appear in crossovers. Yeah. And I always found him to be a very fascinating character. But I didn't want to know every facet. Of the character. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, So he's compelling enough, but I didn't necessarily have to know everything about him. Came in, did his job. He seemed very charismatic. Uh, And with the film, I already knew the backstory. Well, because the only origin thing that I saw about him before this movie was the animated one that they did maybe... Two years ago? Three years ago? That keeps popping up on Netflix. Uh which I, I I liked it. I liked the first half of it more until he... Because it's very similar to the Doctor Strange live action movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't like it when they were in the city and all that stuff was happening. I was like, oh, now it's just kind of like one of the uh, Avengers uh, one-off animated cartoons. Um, but the whole first half was very compelling. So I was really looking forward to the live action film. And I really did enjoy the live action version. I thought Benedict Cumberbatch was was brilliant um, as Doctor Strange. I had my reservations at first. I always well, Anne brought this up and I and I totally agreed. The guy that plays uh, Littlefinger in uh, Game of Thrones. Oh yeah. I thought he would have done a good job because he kinda had the mannerisms and he already had the little gray hair on the yeah. sides. But maybe that might have been too like on the point. Um the the visual effects I saw it at the uh Arizona Mills IMAX three D uh which was really cool. Uh probably one of the better examples of how to use three D 
for people that don't like 3D are like, oh, should I go see it in 3D? Uh, yeah, see Doctor Strange in 3D. Uh, but I like the 3D. It doesn't matter what it is. For our listeners, this is like the 50-foot IMAX 3D, not the mini digital uh, IMAX that IMC has. Um, And I'm very choosy about what I go see in in IMAX 3D because it's, for two people, it's like 30 bucks. Mm -hmm. Um, But from from beginning to end, I was really pleased and I really liked, well, you know, spoiler alert, I liked the end too. I liked, even though there were points where it's like, oh, ding, dang, dab it. When we were talking about Suicide Squad, it's like, okay, another city is being, you know, uprooted or destroyed. They did this in a way that was more globally acceptable because yeah. they had different points of reference. The 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 different um, sanctuaries, sanctuaries yeah. that protected the whole planet had its own purpose and part that had to be destructed in order to get... Uh, so and so in the this big you know the deity Dormammu um, to come in and and do his diligence and I liked the uh, the whole the whole time thing was I thought was handled much better than most things have handled uh, manipulating time mm-hmm. it seemed fresher and uh, usable with the consequences behind it. Yeah, we could probably dance around that issue with the other movie we were talking about. What was that? Arrival. Oh, Arrival. yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but no, I yeah, that's my summation of it. I really liked everybody in it. Mm-hmm. And they had, the, the comedy wasn't as crazy comedy, but the parts that they did pepper in there, I was with a pretty good crowd. So the guy that was sitting next to me was pretty much laughing at everything that was anything that had kind of a tongue-in-cheek. And I think that helped. Otherwise, I don't think I would have really, like, heartily laughed. Not that I heartily laugh anyways, but... Yeah, I think I laughed at the things that were supposed to be funny in this, but I can't remember a lot of specifics. Right. There was a couple real... I mean, the ones with Wong, I thought were... You know, it's obviously oh, like yeah, a comic that... release, but the timing was just so good that you, you couldn't help but laugh. Right. But the... um. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd agree. It's one of those ones. I mean, I grew up with Doctor Strange. I didn't read. I'm not a devoted. And I definitely, um, you know, can't fill you in like like Victor, who's definitely our resident, um, you know, authority on a lot of them. Although I know you're a big fan as well. It's just one of those things where um, when I was young, it was hard to compete for the few dollars I had for comics. Like, and when I got into comics, my main one was X-Men. Like mm-hmm. X-Men, X-Force, a lot of this stuff was big. And then some of the, when I was getting really into it was, you know, the dawn. I've mentioned on the podcast before, like of Image and Valiant, like 91, 92. I just really started enjoying a lot of the independent stuff as well. And so, um, it, you know, just kind of things. So the the Marvel stuff was... You know, I'd see, like you say, a crossover, Doctor Strange. I always thought it was a cool character, um, but never anything I was super impressed with. I do think it's good that kind of like with Ant-Man and Guardians and some of the other stuff that they're just not picking instantly. I mean, Marvel has it a little easier where they can pick a lot of characters that right. are kind of going to look cool no matter what or going to have a good presence on screen. Mm-hmm. I think on this one, I'm really glad Overall, there's only one or two 
three three major leads, like recognizable actors or popular. Everybody else is somebody who's either considered more in the independent scene or is like an up and comer. Um, you know, like Tilda Swinton for me is one of those people. I mean, like she can do mainstream and obviously independent really well. Like to me, standout wise, you know. And I kind of felt this is kind of where she was in the in between was is like the 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 witch in uh, Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe, which I mentioned oh, yeah. earlier, Chronicles mm-hmm. of Narnia, and then also like a really unfortunately a really like dark role, but an amazing film as we need to talk about Kevin. Oh yeah, like she's somewhere in between those as her character here as the she was good as Supreme. Gabriel and uh, Constantine. Yeah, yeah and Constantine too, how where I was she was also of her. she's also that too. Which I mean, the, I feel like that's just too too much of a a one-to-one comparison Mm -hmm. but you can tell where she's drawing a lot of these you know energy from and and her conflict yeah conflict gray Um, matter yeah but it's it was it was good visually you know super impressive i like the way you put it it's kind of like it goes you know full avengers in the city sometimes it's that it it looks amazing it it's like inception if i gave a shit Mm -hmm. um because i personally (laughs) am not an inception fan i I, didn't like it um it's i mean if people enjoy it great i just personally when i watched it i i just didn't like it i i but what i'm really just focusing here is just on visual effects a lot of the cool visual effects in inception especially with the city remolding is here too and it was good i actually think they do it better here oh yeah 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 like for sure, and they play all, all, especially the fight scenes where they yeah. fall through windows and end up in different realms. It was kind of like, man, this must have been so hard to put together on the editing. <laughs> yeah, who, yeah, who put that all that on paper? Yeah, but um, you know, good cast, enjoyable. Um, obviously with both of the stingers, they were enjoyable. The first one being the the fan favorite, and then the second, the at the end of the film, being the one I really wanted, which I like. Um. And it was it was good. I mean, I really felt, and that's a good word you use, conflict. That's one thing I liked about this film. There's a lot of conflict in it about human nature and purpose, and you know, um, eternal life, and our quest for it, and, and glory, and and all that kind of stuff. And I just felt like, you know, Marvel. I just care less and less about comic book films, the the yeah. MCU, all these types of things. But I went to see this one, like, I really do feel, no, not to borrow from the film, but with an open mind, and I enjoyed it. If, is it going to be, like, my top in my top ten of the year? I don't know. I, I have to wait and see what else. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, like, Marvel films coming out this year, like, No, really, it has to be in the top, like, five for sure. But it's definitely, for them, like... For comic films. I feel for like, oh yeah, without a doubt, yeah. comic films. But, you know, my top ten in general, one thing I will say is, is that, like, I feel like this and Deadpool is, even though it's not, you know, it's MCU and some DCU, but to me, the difference between this and, like, Suicide Squad or Civil War is, like, I walked away from this thinking. Whereas those mm-hmm. movies, I'm just kind of like, eh, I enjoyed it. I s- the- yeah, I swear to God, I feel like Civil War and Batman or Superman came out, like, years ago. It just it doesn't even feel like they came out this year. At yeah, this true. Point. It does. It feels like it's a long been a long time year. Ago. Yeah. No, uh, I mean for the most part, I I really liked this movie because it reminded me a lot of um, Iron Man in the terms of like a Marvel movie that isn't trying to build six other movies at the same time is actually trying to 
get you to be invested in the character and his journey. Right. Which is for a Marvel movie now that seems to be like, you know, the the hardest possible thing to do cuz I mean, I remember I liked Ant-Man, but um clearly this was a much I like I feel like I understand this character completely, you know, and I yeah. think a big part of that was hiring solid actors. Um, there's a part early in Doctor Strange where he gets into a fight with um, Rachel McAdams' character. Mm-hmm. You know where she, he, you know, he's trying to pawn his last cent to, but um, this guy won't do the surgery, and then she's trying to cheer him up, and he just snaps at her, and it's like, "There, you've done your job. Now get out of here!" And like they have like an argument that feels very oh, yeah. real. Oh yeah, like people were like, "Ooh, I feel uncomfortable." Yeah, you know. Well, you really hate his fucking guts, kind of like oh, Tony Stark. Yeah, that's what I mean like, exactly. Yeah. He feels like he 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 earns his arc, and I uh, like Benedict Cumberbatch, like or Cumberbatch didn't. <laughs> I said batch, but it just sounded like patch. But, uh, I love it. Uh, yeah, uh, he really tries hard to imbue this character with some kind of like you know narrative force. So you, he's definitely an asshole at the beginning, and by the end. You know, he's just arrogant, you know, which he needs to be in future movies. You know, like in you know, the stinger where, you know, well, you know, we people have seen this movie already. Sure. But, but, you know, where he's talking to this character and, you know, he's like, so your brother Loki is on Earth and you're looking for your father, Odin. <laughs> so you can bet back to Asgard. You yeah. know, like you can see the air quotes, even though, you know, yeah. he's just like, this is my life now. Okay, well, I'll help you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, it's, I like that comparison to Iron Man. It did yeah. feel like that, not trying to be, and that is getting to be the point where I'm like, this is just, dude, you guys have overstuffed this. Yeah. I, I mean, I have Civil War, and I can honestly say I've probably watched it like twice since I saw it in the theaters, just kind of like, did I, you know, because I, I was very firmly on the track of like, I think Batman versus Superman is a better movie than Civil War. And I can still say that now because I've seen Batman versus Superman more times. Civil War is like, uh huh. Okay, cool. Spider Man. Yeah. I am looking forward to Ragnarok, though. Yeah. Well, mostly I, because of the director yeah, that's Taiko helming it. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm excited because he he said this he he did an interview where basically he was saying yeah I'm just I I don't know I haven't watched the other movies I'm just kind of doing my own thing I can't wait to see his humor injected into the into yeah. the film I like Dark World a hell of a lot more than I like the first movie yeah so I mean I I feel like that franchise can only go up especially with such a, a better director but I mean you know like I said I haven't lost complete faith I just don't have much of an interest anymore yeah and You're this not is one of those films that renews like. Wow, if they don't totally fuck this up, this might be really enjoyable. Yeah. Well, we'll see what Spider-Man Homecoming is like next year. Oh, yeah. I'm not looking forward to that movie at all. The third I, third I, reboot of Spider-Man in, what, the last 10 years? I like not the kid even. just fine. I'm not a fan of the character of Spider-Man it's at all. 10? God, it's like five. What was the original one? was 2011? 2012? What? The, the first, uh, gr- no, Andrew Garfield. No, oh, no, yeah, I'm not no, including yeah, no, Raimi. Uh, I'm just thinking this is the yeah, third like Spider-Man so. film in five, six years. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. There's been eight Spider-Man movies since 2000. That's just stupid, you know? Yeah. Anyway. 
The other movie we we all kind of saw. Kind of saw? Well, we saw. I definitely did. Yeah. I kept my eyes open. Yeah. It was, <laughs> this uh, one's for you, Jason. <laughs> it was uh, Dennis Villanueva's uh, movie, Arrival. He, uh, he also directed Prisoners and Sicario, and he's directing Blade Runner 2049, which comes out next year as In well. In the year 2049. <laughs> Which I I have to say after watching this movie, I'm actually interested, even though like 2017 is clearly shaping up to be the year of uh, movies about androids at this rate with Ghost in the Shell as well. But uh, I really liked Arrival. I thought it was really, really interesting. Uh, The twit, it has has a lot of narrative force behind it. I have to say the way they... um, the way they thought of introducing aliens in this movie uh-huh. was really novel. It reminded me of 9-11 in so many ways that reaction people had to them. Sure. You know, like the actual, my reaction to 9-11, you know, everybody shut down. I'm like, whoa, what the fuck? It's the yeah. yeah. And then just making them not humanoid, I thought, was also really clever. All I can say here, very since 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 they've yeah, Lovecrafting was awesome. But I just want to say, since I mean, the trailer shows them, you know, at least you get some idea what they look like. I remember when I first saw this trailer, I go, I swear to God, if they contact this shit, I'm gonna be so fucking pissed. In what way? Contact the movie with no, Jodie Foster. But I mean, how do you mean her father? I go, if they do this, I'm gonna kill him. Because I started feeling with um, she has a daughter in the movie. Yes, and I swear, if it was her daughter, I'm not gonna out the whole thing. Yeah, no, 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 but you know what I mean. No, no, no. I felt in this one also um, without. Huge amount of spoilers. Oh is, no, we've already decided oh, okay. that we're, it's it's no holds barred. When okay, we talk about well, the, you know this one has also like a Doctor Strange, just in a very different way. Is the time travel concept or yeah. how what time is considered non-linear? Yeah, non-linear. Concept. Yeah, and so um, yeah, it's, I love it, Craig Lanier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, and um, but no, I really I did mean that. That's why I really was. Not home for. I did like this film as very um, scientific, slow and procedural, like in the sense of that this is the way it really would work is you would have to go extremely um, starting from the very bottom. And I like um, – and, you know, that's the whole part of a huge point of it is how we communicate between the people on Earth, everyone who has one of these ships, and also how the aliens do and – I just thought it was very, very unique. Like, I, I like that part a lot. I mean, this is a slow movie. Anyone expecting – you can watch Independence Day Resurgence if you're interested in some shoot 'em up old school, you know, alien yeah. action. This, this is, is all atmosphere. This is 100% atmosphere. And it, it works. Um, some great cinematography and stuff and a, a well-written script and well-acted. Yeah. It wasn't 100% what I wanted or had hoped for. Um, I don't really know if I had a particular like set of this is my expectation. Yeah. Um, I still enjoyed it no matter what. I just didn't come out like it wasn't this 100% on Rotten Tomatoes A plus film for me. It was just this was good. It is good. But I, I just of, didn't think it was great. One of the things that like really stuck in my head after watching this was how similar in a lot of ways it was to Interstellar but different at the same time. You know, there's no journey that man is making in this movie specifically, but 
a lot of the politics of, you know, an earth dealing with this phenomenon and being like a not one world government planet, but where there's different governments with different agendas and having to work together to make things happen, I thought was really interesting and handled well, like in a grounded way. Um, all the, the stuff with time in this movie really, I was like, oh, like I when I realized it was happening, I was like, oh, I get it. But at the same time, it also has that Terminator 2. Something has to happen in the future before it happens in the past. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you realize, well, it is, you know, there's a literal uh, D, you know, DSX Machina thing here. But it's because of a situation that happens in the movie kind of prompts it. But I don't I can't see how this film would have gone if that didn't happen. I don't know how like how. The, well, I'm I'm in Kirby's camp. I am so so on it. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't fall in love with it like a lot of other people have been saying, but uh, but I don't know how differently they really could have made the movie unless they went even more art house. Yeah, and maybe that's kind of what I wanted—a little more art house and maybe a little bit more esoteric uh, points to it, where you would walk out saying, "What the fuck did I just watch?" Like something like Solaris or something. I, keep, I kept thinking you were going to mention like Tree of Life. I never saw Tree of Life. All right. Well, if you see it at some point, I'm not telling you to watch it. I feel like if it had gone further, it would have been like Tree of Life. Okay. I actually uh, kind of thought maybe kind of on the R house, it might have gone Man Who Fell the Earth style. Right. Which is kind of where I thought in the very beginning where it might end up going. Because mm-hmm. there were there were only some things that I mean there were some Hollywood beats in there that I just I saw coming a million miles away that I really didn't appreciate uh, specifically I really really despised the whole thing with the guys that put the bomb in the ship yeah it was really because they all they were that. doing is like you know they do like the glare and then they kind of like wink at each other you know like. Yeah, we're gonna do this. We're gonna take these aliens down, and it was this buildup well, for like twenty minutes before they were, it happened. They, we realized they were watching pseudo Rush Limbaugh on their laptop. I was like, they're gonna. Fuck I was. This. I was just kind of groaning Cause, about cause that because that's like just like contact. No, no, that's just like in contact too. Well, it's also just like in Interstellar with Jake Busey's character who was like the fundamentalist. That you was guys, contact. Contact. Jake you mean not Interstellar? That. Oh, yeah. Jake Busey was like a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. My bad. Yeah. It's all good. Contact then. Yeah. That's the movie I was thinking of. But, yeah. Well, and and there is a part of that, and obviously, um, since this is our first broadcast since the election, there's a lot of, like, feelings running high, obviously, on political and social issues. And even in Doctor Strange, I felt that a couple times, which Marvel has a little bit that injected into all their films. I mean, obviously, certain ones more than others. Civil War, obviously, was, like, very weighted by it. Yes. But I feel like, um, you know, I think things are very easily, like, ah, it would have generated this or that. But I actually like that. kind of goes back to what Victor said with the 9-11 comparison. I think people would have a very visceral reaction towards any invading force or anything that they might consider a threat to them and and you're seeing you see that every day in um uh, international uh life is is that people have you know ongoing issues or ongoing struggles and stuff but they're always 
you know, I think one of the things I did like of this film on a philosophical or existential level was the idea of, you know, how humanity reacts and stuff. Like I said, the Hollywood beats. I like that. It's very – there are a couple parts was it's kind of cheesy. Like even the ending, like I'm like, oh, this is kind of like kind of cheese ball, but – or what the end goal is here. Um, which I do kind of want to leave. I don't want to spoil that, like what the, how it all works out. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like, you know, again, it's, I'm so tired of films with politics and heavy handed shit in it. It's like, don't even pretend, don't even pretend, like just go out in front and say it. You might, you might as well make, I now pronounce Chuck and Larry again, you know, these kind of films <laughs> where it's just like, just stop, man. And, and, and the point is. I think what you're going to find with people is they're more open-minded, especially in fantasy. And I think that that's part of the power of movies is it can have a positive effect on people mm-hmm. of different things and make people more – or not make them but help them be more accepting and understanding of, of the world. Um, you know, There's so many great allegories. Science fiction and horror have always been hallmarks of this above all others. And to me um, – and I'm not saying as a defending the genre. I just mean that – I feel like there's no creativity left. There's no real it, – it's kind of like uh, – when I talk about my favorite science fiction film in the last 10 years, and it, it touches on what I talked about earlier, is I like science fiction based in fact, like horrible shit that happens. It's like post-apocalyptic where it isn't about zombies um, is something like uh, Children of Men. Mm-hmm. Is People took this film as like a pro-life analogy. It's neither a pro-life or a pro-choice. It's about the devastation of humanity, something slowly but surely that happens, but how fast humanity goes downhill, and people don't think about that. And if you saw fucking 12 ships, you know, half a mile up from the Earth, I mean, I think most people would be like, oh, shit, we have human, you know, extraterrestrial life of some kind, and what are they here for? Because everybody, when somebody comes to your doorstep, what are you here for? Everybody in every situation, yeah. right? Well, and then they, they, yeah, they had the whole thing where like the stock market crashed like two thousand points or something. I mean, that would just that would make everybody go crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and food. They do the food supply, which always bothered me. The movie uh, years ago, a couple years back with Contagion, where it was like, <laughs> okay, humanity would have have completely devolved into chaos so much quicker than this film makes out to be especially oh, with this of, yeah. disease disease is one of the things that isn't political like right. people may politicize it, has no it discretion at but all. it has no discretion um outbreak actually did that better yeah. than that's contagion one of the big problems I, i've had with the strain 12 monkeys i only watched the first season no, it's so. basically it took like two seasons for that to get to like the final eight but like literally restaurants are still open like months at you know none of that would happen it would have been all run for your lives so quickly. Yeah. That's probably true. Yeah. But no, I it's just funny to me how I got contacted Interstellar mixed up. But it, they kind of have similar things. Even, you know, when a first ship fails, there just happens to be another ship built by – and you have to get – Right. Yeah. Well, even batteries not included was kind yeah. of on the same path. Like in that period of the aftermath of Close Encounters and E.T., well, I'm just stuff. glad that, you know, I, 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 on the surface, I mean, Arrival is a good movie, and it's different from 
a lot of the stuff that they've been putting out recently. I'm just glad that it's not another Mars movie. And I know there are more coming out, and then there's a TV series, I guess, on National Geographic that's exploring that again. Because um, I think what does I? I'm assuming that NASA or some private institution want money, yeah, to do a manned mission to Mars. I don't know why. I don't know why. All I know is I saw the trailer. With the young adult one where the kid comes to Mars for oh, some the, girl, this Nicholas space, Sparks bullshit. And I'm like, us. no, no fucking way. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Like, I already don't want to – these Nicholas Sparks novel. Like, people <laughs> think this is the way life really works. What's the other one? The guy who did the uh, – shit, uh, Paper Towns and – like, I'm watching this movie going, you got to be kidding me. Like, it's enjoyable to a point. Yeah. But I swear that that this, it's like John Hughes Simpson, uh, symptoms gone full retard. Like, I've <laughs> never seen, like, something so bad. And people are believing this. I'm like, no wonder why this generation's even worse than mine. Like, there's no way. Yeah, it's a weird type of escapism. Yeah, that, that's really just- bad. I mean, obviously, it's way out of our demographic, demographic, but it is also poisonous in some ways of of injecting that fantasy. True, that's like you said, just completely unrealistic. Not the fact that you know he was born yeah. on Mars and coming here, but that that whole romanticism of of well, almost like Romeo and Juliet kind of thing, or it, it, the the Notebook thing, or the one where the blah 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 had cancer, and then they both have cancer. Everybody's dying left and right, and. Adam, if you really love me, you would come from well, I Mars. Did come. All oh, the, sorry. oh, yeah. <laughs> that was probably when I was tearing your package. But <laughs> oh um, no, you would. It's but that is literally what it is. You would travel through interstellar space, you know, to end up, um, you know. L- l- it's just I, I've had a point. Like I enjoyed the Martian to a point, but it's funny that you just hit on that. I just want to say. I didn't even realize the glut of Mars-related films. I feel yeah. like we're back to Red Planet, Mission to Mars. It's like, God, man. Because they want funding. They want yeah. the, the yeah. public to be really excited about going to Mars when it's a completely waste completely either waste of time. Mm-hmm. Waste yeah. of money. Waste well, of our efforts. I don't I, see what the purpose is. I don't know either. Why don't we save our planet before we go visit another one? Well, you know, we're at a point now where, where the official stance is now climate change isn't even a thing. So it's going to end up being like... See, some, that's that's the Mel Gibson thing. Yeah. They, they Nobody talked about it for the longest time or nobody was, you know, started taking it seriously Well, now anymore. you have Leonardo DiCaprio and, going, I made my Al Gore movie and, you know, let me tell you, I, I'm terrified. And I'm sitting here going, yes, but again... What are you going to do to solve it? Because right. that's my big issue with all these films and filmmakers. And you know, I don't want to you know sidetrack into a discussion about. It, but what I'm saying is, is that kind of like the way you're saying, like this is they want to make all these movies to entice and and um, ensure people start becoming so fascinated and enthralled when it's like, okay, this is a pipe dream. Like we can send a rover, a satellite. This is all we can do. There's going to be no man mission. It's never going to happen. Or if it does, it's going to be like that movie Passengers or whatever. You know, it's going to end up being something like that. Yeah. Like, you know, where it's not going to work. I just feel like we've made so many advancements in the last hundred plus years and people are going, we need to go to the next level. And it's like, it's cool that you have that kind of dream, especially when you can play out the possibilities in cinema 
or whether it's re, uh, fantasy or reality driven, like a documentary. Mm-hmm. But again, especially with the latter, if you're not presenting solutions, I mean, you're kind of avoiding the cardinal rule of documentaries, which is to not get so involved and let the viewer decide. Right. But then at the same time, like you have to at least present presents perspectives on how that's going to be, yeah. like how it's going to be solved. And I feel like none of these films, you know, do that. And that's again part of that fantasy and escapism. It's like I want to be, I want to be concerned about this, but I don't actually. I'm not going to do anything about it. Yeah. And you're not. People have their own abilities to do so many things with their own energy and resources and and just their will to do it. But people won't because they're like, eh. Nothing more I could add to that. You're right. <laughs> That's all I can do. But, um, yeah, the arrival, like I said, is good. I The only reason I wanted to touch on the thing, like, it's just because I'm seeing, like, the endless praise it's getting. And I'm like, it's good, especially compared to a lot of the glut of what's coming out. I'd rather have thinking movies. Again, why I also like Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see Marvel making thinking movies again. Yeah. That's a plus. If DC can get there too more, they touched on Batman v Superman, but if they can get to that more, that would be awesome. I mean, that isn't the Christopher Nolan, which was the well, full I'm, bore. I'm hoping that Wonder Woman and Justice League have an actual plot structure beyond let's just get these movies out, which I kind of thought was the deal with Suicide Squad. And Oh, without a doubt. You know, that. I'm already when I saw the Harley Quinn spinoff. I'm like, I know it's coming, but I'm just like, oh, please, Jesus, no. Well, my my the funniest thing is how uh, the extended cut is coming out in December, even though they kept swearing up and down. No, no, this is the final version, and I'm not excited about it just because I didn't think it needed any more Joker, which I'm sure this is going to be Joker all up in your face, you know. Well, maybe you know that bonus hip hop vi- yeah. mo- bonus video directed by Hype Williams. Right, we can only hope with Jared Leto hopelessly miscast, giving us his great. They may market it that way, but I really doubt that there's as much extra footage that Jared Leto has said it publicly. Saying, "Oh, there's a whole movie that could just be based around me." Uh, they shoot a lot of footage that's just either coverage or just doesn't make it into the movie that really has no purpose of being in there i just really want them to get away from this like south african gangsta aesthetic like not every movie has to have Deanne or as the villain i don't think the purge election year needed it i don't even think suicide squad needed it just like go with what independence in day did it too really yeah oh my god one that's guy. true well, they I were like freedom fighters that. but yeah. yeah there was a little bit of that Jesus, yeah, that's the that's the aesthetic costume designers need to get the fuck away from. Well, who else can they use? Uh, what's in the comics? What's in the video games? I think it's really funny. I guess they're you know they have all the CW shows like Flash and all that stuff. But it's like politically correct now. No, no, no. The thing that's funny is um, Mark Hamill plays the trickster on the Flash. I mm-hmm. guess he's coming back in an episode in a couple weeks, and the trickster's outfit that Mark Hamill's wearing is the Joker's outfit from Arkham City. You know, where it's just like a purple three-piece suit. It's like, yeah. it looks good. They should have just done that, you know? Don't need to reinvent the wheel. It worked for Heath Ledger. Yeah. yeah. Strip it down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that's kind of our take on what's been out, and there's lots of more stuff we'll be discussing on the horizon, you know, Fantastic Beasts and where to find them is on its way. 
And I think you posted you posted a few new reviews up. I know you mentioned a couple of them. Right? Oh yeah, but so some we, new contents up on the site. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of stuff, more stuff to come on the way, and hopefully we'll get some more reviews up soon. Yep. We'll be uh, for at least a little while seeing you twice a month now. That's right. So it's gonna be good times. Mm-hmm. We're all excited. Lots of fun stuff on the horizon. But we're going to sign off. You've listened to us prattle on enough. Long enough for this time. Join us again next time for episode 49. 49 is on its way. To be followed by 50. (laughs) That's how it works. Boom. All right. Till next time. I'm Victor Marino along with Kirby Nelson. And Adam Murkowski. Meow. Stay hungry. Ooh. That was a good one. Why does this feel worse?